got a lump in my throat today. I just saw something I ain't never seen before. I just watched my granddaughter come down here and pray for one of her friends. I'm good. I can go home right now. Don't think what y'all do in here don't make an impression on the children that we got running around here. And we got some awesome children. And I've, I've said it on Wednesday night before, and I've said it to the kids over in the Emerge before. I've always been pretty blown away how the children and the youth at this church come down here and, and pray. They learn that from something. They learned that from somebody, and it was y'all. So don't think that they ain't watching. And I've always been pretty impressed how one of them will come down here, and the rest of them will just swarm them like a bunch of fire ants and pray for them. And that's a good thing. Uh, before I get started, I want to ask y'all to join me in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Again, we thank you for the honor and the privilege of getting to come to your house. To come in here and read scripture out of your book. And to praise your name. Lord, I, I thank you for everybody in here that decided I need to come to church. Lord, those that had a desire to but couldn't. Lord, I ask you to rain your blessings down on them. Lord, I ask you to be with the reading of this word today and all the people that are standing in front of a congregation or a group of people that's preaching your word this morning. Lord, thank you so much for all you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to start off by asking y'all when you say your prayers, pray for Israel. There's a lot of nasty going on in this world. Uh, if you ain't ever done it after church, y'all can go over here on this great big old world map. You can Google it. Look up Israel on the map. Israel's this little spot surrounded by a bunch of folks that just hate their guts. Only for them being the chosen people of God is the only reason they're there. But them folks need it would be about like this first pew right here is Israel. Everything else in this sanctuary is a bunch of folks that hate them. Them people need our prayer. First off, I want to, before I forget, I do want to remind folks we got a mission trip coming up. A, a, a crowd of folks here at the church are going to go to Costa Rica here in a few months. Uh, there's going to be some folks out front. I don't know who's going to be out there. Uh, I don't know if they in here. Stand up. Y'all see my brother right here? He going to be selling some tickets to some barbecue. And you don't have to go on this mission trip to help support this mission. This mission. Your support helps us better serve them people that we're going to go and try to help out a little bit. And they've had some Hurricanes and stuff come hit them. They need us to help them out a little bit. So you get to help us serve them. 
and you get some barbecue all at the same time. That's a win-win for everybody involved. But uh, I also want to add this in here. Tonight at 6 o'clock, there's going to be a women's study down in the gym. Uh, their study is called Being a Praying Wife. I just want to know how many guys in here are thankful for their praying wife. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to go too because Donald ain't here. But I know he's thankful for his praying wife. I know he is. Most of the, their prayers probably got something to do with us anyway. So, uh, there's, uh, there's a few guys that I asked to, uh, to pray for me today. And I ask them because I know they will. But I'm going to tell y'all, my first phone call was to my praying wife. If you're in here today, you listening, whatever. If you're looking for a wife, look for you a praying wife. Look for you a praying wife. I will throw in that one's mine. You're going to have to go find your own. <laughs> if you got a wife and she ain't a praying wife, you need to encourage her to be a praying wife. You need to join her in being a praying wife. Maybe your wife needs a praying husband. If you have a praying wife, she deserves a praying husband. If you don't understand the blessings that come from having a praying wife, you ask one of these guys that raised their hand up. They'll tell you all about it. I promise you they will. I say all that, and like Donna would say, that was free. That really ain't got nothing to do with the message today. But it's important. We got some women getting together, studying on how to be a praying wife. Us men folk need to encourage them on that. Uh, I'll be honest, I ain't used to preaching in front of so many people. I told them a, a, a while back that, and it really true today, I kind of feel like Billy Graham in one of them crusades, you know, one of them coliseums. There's a bunch of y'all out here. There's more of y'all here standing here than there is sitting over there, I promise you. But that's all right. Because when Donald called me about doing this, I, I prayed about it. And after I talked with the Lord about it, I, I decided, you know, I ain't scared of y'all. <laughs> and it don't matter if there's 300 people in this room, if there's 30 people. It don't matter if they, they, they just these folks right here on the front row. The message don't change. God's word don't change. So it don't matter to me. Today I'm going to share with you a message that, that I, I heard several, several years ago. And it's kind of stuck with me. It stuck with me hard. And it ain't like I got a bunch of notes about it in my Bible or anything that, you know, I flip by and it reminds me of it. it I, I've never had anything like that. But God just had a way of just kind of popping it up on me every so often it would Something would trigger me to think about this message. And I never really felt like the time was right to, to share it or, or talk about it. But when I asked the Lord what we need to talk about today, that's, that's what he put on my heart. Boom, just like that. So I felt like it's something that, 
that he gave me and wanted to kind of marinate on for a little while. And, and, and then when the time was right, he'd say, he'd say, go on with it. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, it don't take much. You turn the news on. You see there's a whole lot of conflict in this world. Uh, and just in, not even in the world, just in our own country. There's a lot of conflict. There's, there's anything you can think of. There's Republicans and Democrats, white folks, black folks, rich folks, poor folks. It don't matter. Police and the community. There's just conflict everywhere, all over the place. Kind of like, you know, on a, a, a football field, there's two teams on a football field, and they are in constant conflict with each other. They're both trying to win, and they're headbutting the whole time. Now, we are knee-deep in football season. Go dogs! And I guess the rest of y'all can roll whatever it is y'all roll. I, I don't know. <laughs> And I can't say a whole lot. My wife and my daughter dressed me up in a bunch of Georgia Tech colors today. So I'm, I do need y'all's prayers. I got friends at work and they're going to love this. But it's all right. But, you know, here in a few hours, the Falcons are going to lose again, right? So, but before they do, before they lose, before when they first get out there, They're going to be one of them teams on the field. But there's also going to be a third team on the field. That third team is the, the team of officials. Y'all know the ones y'all yell at all the time. But see, those officials, they don't, they don't answer to either one of them teams. They're on the field, but they ain't of the field. See, they belong to the league. They belong to the NFL. They got a different boss. The NFL office is up on Park Avenue up in New York City. And they got a commissioner up there. Their commissioner's name's Roger Goodell. He's big boss. He makes the calls. But their commissioner has representatives down here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Their job is to bring all them rules and regulations from up in New York and make sure they're followed down here in Mercedes-Benz Stadium on the field of play. Every one of them officials was given a rule book, the rule book of the NFL. They're given that book so they know how to make the calls, right? No rule book, they don't, they don't, they don't know what the calls are. They make the calls to make sure that what goes on down here aligns with what comes from up yonder. The official's personal opinion at that point becomes irrelevant. He's got to follow the rule book.
any kind of attachment that he's got to a particular team. He a ref in the NFL. You know he liked football. He grew up somewhere. Maybe he wasn't a Falcons fan. But that allegiance to that team has got to be set aside. Sometimes them refs going to get booed. They're going to have Coca-Colas and tomatoes thrown at them because everybody hates the call that they made. Sometimes they're going to get cheered because everybody loves the call that they made. But they're not on the field for a popularity contest. They're on the field to bring the rules from above to all this chaos going on down here. They are to bring the directions from their kingdom up there in New York down here to the chaos on the field of play. Stuck in the middle of. There's a lot of chaos in this world that we live in. You and I belong to a different kingdom than what's going on down here. We are on a different team. Than what's going on around us down here. We have a different commissioner. Than the folks running around down here. Each one of us as a follower of Jesus Christ. A part of his officiating crew. Down here in this world full of chaos. This world that we live in, this country that we're living in, is collapsing under the weight of its own sin. More so every day. But we have been put here as followers of Jesus Christ to act on his behalf. If we didn't have something to do while we were here, as soon as you got saved, poof, you'd be gone. I figured God don't make no mistakes. I figured you got saved, but he didn't take you to heaven immediately. That means he's got something for you to do down here. And when he says you're done with it, guess what? Congratulations. We are here to represent his kingdom down here on earth. And we got to remember that. Matthew 28 gives us what we know as the Great Commission. 28 and 17 says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. They had questions. They weren't sure about everything. They probably had questions about Jesus. They had questions about the resurrection. They had questions about their faith. They had questions about this church. But here's the thing. They had questions, but they still showed up. They had questions, but they still came. Their questions didn't keep them away. They didn't stay home just because they had some questions. Their questions brought them there. 
You got questions about Jesus? Let's go see Jesus. This ain't hard. There's probably some folks in here today that got some questions. They probably got some questions just like these people did. They probably got questions about Jesus. They probably have some questions in here today about their faith. They might have questions about the church. If you them folks, I'm glad your questions didn't keep you away. I hope and pray somebody here today, and it ain't got to be me, just because they give me the microphone, that don't mean nothing. I hope somebody in here today says something, does something that helps answer some of your questions. It could be somebody walking out the door says something and they don't even know they, they help change your life. But you got to be listening for it. Before I forget, this thing up here don't close. Y'all need to come handle some business with God. Do it. They're going to be somebody right there beside of you. I bet you. Not because they want to come get in your business. They won't let you know you ain't in this by yourself. After they worshipped. After they got done singing Amazing Grace and He'll Fly Away and all that stuff. Jesus got up there to talk to them. In verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus is telling them, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Nothing out here is outside the authority of Jesus Christ. That includes us. All power is given unto me. He's in charge in heaven. And he's in charge down here. There are several words that can be translated to mean power. Like in our scripture. One of those words is the word dunamis. Dunamis, dunamis means explosive power. It's kind of where we get our word dynamite from. But the word dunamis is not the one that was used in this particular spot in God's word. The word here is, and y'all know, know I can't talk real good. I, sure, I barely talk English. I, I sure can't pronounce all this right, but I'm pretty sure ain't none of y'all know if I say it wrong. The word here is exousia. Exousia means authorized use of power. Deutimus is just power. Exousia is the authority to use that power. I'll give you an example. Bank robber got a gun, right? Police got a gun, right? Both of them have dunamis. Both of them have power. Cop got a badge. Cop has exousia. They both have power. The cop has authority. 
On the ball field, the players are younger, stronger, and faster. The refs, the officials, are older, slower, and fatter. Y'all seen him, y'all know. It just kind of hit me. I've been talking about us being officials, and then I say all the officials are old and fat. My bad. But on the field of play, the players, they can knock you down. But the officials, they got a flag, man. They can put you out. The refs have exousia. They have the authority to override dunamis. They have the authority to override only power. The enemy and this world have dunamis. They have a power. And they can't wait to use it on you and me. They are chomping at the bit. They're waiting for one little, one little, one little itch so they can, they, they can get in there. And take their mile. But Jesus Christ has all exousia to override their dunamis. We don't just need to be told that. We need to know that. We need to live knowing that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has all authority. Then Jesus gives us the commission, the great commission from the great commissioner. So what does he want us to do? And this probably goes real well in line with our man church. What's he want us to do? He wants us to make disciples. I've said before I lean real heavy on my wife when it comes to matters of punctuation and spelling and pretty much anything associated with the English language. Uh, but even I'm smart enough to see that there ain't no question marks in the Great Commission. They ain't a question mark and they know where. These are instructions. These are commands. From Jesus Christ. We're not being asked what we think about it. We're not being asked if this is what y'all want to do. It's not like, hey, if you don't mind, how about y'all, how about y'all go talk to some folks for me? If you don't, if it's all right, you squeeze it in. Now, there ain't no question marks in the Great Commission. This right here is what I got for you to do. This your job. This is your job. So we're supposed to make disciples. So what's a disciple? I'll give you a definition. A man or a woman who is constantly and consistently living under the rule of Jesus Christ in their life. A man or a woman who is constantly and consistently living under the rule of Jesus Christ in their life. Not just somebody that accepted Christ so they can go to heaven. But someone who has allowed heaven to determine how they're going to live and act and react down here on earth. A disciple lets Jesus Christ 
dictate their decisions that they make on a daily basis. I'm going to say that again. The disciple lets Jesus Christ dictate their decisions that they make. My question for you today is what is dictating your decisions in your life? And it can be a whole bunch of stuff. Convenience, maybe. Money. That's going to cost me too much. That's too expensive. Ease. Man, that looks like hard work. I ain't about all that. I ain't scared of work. I lay down beside it and take a nap. Right? <laughs> Do friends dictate your decisions that you make in your life? Does your family dictate the decisions that you make in your life? Or does Jesus Christ dictate the decisions that you're making in your life? Just like the refs on the fields, disciples can't be worried about whether or not they're going to get cheered or get booed. They got to follow the rule book. They got to be more concerned with whether or not their calls on the field line up with the rules that they, got, they, they were given from above. The more calls and decisions that line up with the rules of above, the greater our discipleship would be. Well, guess what? It's the same and the opposite also. Maybe we're a Christian, but maybe we're not making decisions in our life that line up with Jesus Christ. The idea of discipleship is to have the mindset of Jesus Christ play out in our lives. Do your thoughts and your actions reflect Jesus? Just think yesterday. Or did your thoughts and your actions that you did and had yesterday, did they line up with Jesus? Don't worry about your whole life. Think about yesterday. Think about this morning. Did your thoughts and your actions line up with Jesus Christ and what he taught us? This is one of them kind of questions. I don't need to know your answer because Jesus already knows your answer. And if you decide you and him need to talk about your answer, you feel free because you probably need to. I looked it up the other day. There are approximately 2.38 billion Christians in the world. That's one of them b -b -b billions. That's a bunch of zeros. 2.38 billion Christians in this world. 230 million of those live in the United States. 230 million Christians. That's a bunch of Christian folk. That's a bunch of Christian folk. Now, don't get me wrong. We want more. We can be greedy about wanting more Christians. That's all right. But the problem isn't so much that we don't have enough Christians. The problem is that Christ doesn't have enough disciples. The problem is not so much that we don't have enough Christians. 
Christ doesn't have enough disciples running around down here on earth on the field of play. We don't have enough folks that make their choices line up with the teachings of Jesus Christ. What we are missing today are disciples that consistently live under the rule of Jesus Christ, even though they know they're going to get booed by the crowd. If we are going to run around here and call ourselves Christians and disciples of Christ, we should be reflecting the life of Christ in everything that we do. Are we going to be perfect at it? No. But should that be our goal? Yes. So ask yourself this question. How hard are you trying to reflect Jesus in everything that you do? How often do you think about, does this reflect Jesus in our life? How much effort are you really putting in to living a life that lines up with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Maybe your answer is, man, I'm giving it everything I got. Maybe your answer is, you know, I, I'd, probably do, I'd probably do a little better. Maybe your answer is, I'm trying, but man, I sure am messing this thing up. It's a question that we need, we need to discuss with Jesus. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a topic that we need to talk to God about in our prayers. Lord, I'm trying. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know if I'm messing it all up. But I really in my heart want to, but I need some help. I need some help. I really in my heart Believe, if you go to the Lord in prayer and tell them, I am trying everything I got to align my life with Jesus Christ, and I need some help. You go to the Lord in the right heart, honest prayer. He's going to give you some help. I believe that with everything I got. But you can't just be going through the motions. You can't just be going through the motions. In verse 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Go teach and baptize. When Jesus says go, He's telling them, go tell folks about me. But what he's also saying in that, when he says, go and tell these people, you go and declare your allegiance to me. You go and you tell them about me and you let them know you want them mine. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that if, you will not confess me before men. I'm not going to confess you in front of my father. Not just believe in God. But you must 
confess your allegiance to me. Your allegiance to Jesus Christ. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. I'm pretty sure everybody in here prays. In Jesus' name. You pray to God and you ask for his blessings in Jesus' name. And then he looks to his right side, to Jesus, sitting at his right hand. Says, what do you think? After he just watched you deny Christ before men. I don't know how it works. I'm just asking the question. We're going to run around out here amongst all our friends and all of our buddies and not say anything to anybody, not even act like a Christian, and then we're going to go say prayers and ask God to bless us in Jesus' name. We got some nerve, don't we? I ain't pointing fingers. I'm as guilty as anybody in the room. But we need to think about that. When he looks at Jesus and says, well, you think he just asked me to bless him in your name, dude. What's Jesus going to say? Is he going to say, that's my dude right there. That's my guy. That's my girl right there. You doggone right. Or is he going to say, I don't know them folks. I, I know them, but I don't know them. I hope and pray I act in a way where Jesus stand up and say, that's my dude right there. That's my guy. Give him a little extra. Pour a little more on it. Lord, I pray I can get there. Lord, I pray I can get there. We've all watched enough football or we've all seen the, the huddle at the football game. We kind of huddled up here today. Nobody in them stands paid to see them guys get in a huddle. They don't, nobody care nothing about 11 grown men standing around like this right here. They want to see how the huddle affects the, the field of play. We as a church, we huddle up every Sunday, Wednesday night. We all, we making a whole bunch of huddles and we sit in here and we talk about loving folks. And we talk about justice and righteousness and caring. Problem is we ain't breaking the huddle. We standing, we still standing around doing this right here. We haven't used what we talk about in the huddle to affect that out yonder, the field of play, where all the chaos is, 
There ain't a whole lot of chaos in here in the huddle. Everybody in that huddle, they pretty much on the same page. They making plans. They talking about what we need to do. Hey, let's do this right here. Oh, yeah, man, that'll work great. That's exactly what we need to do. That ain't worth a flip if you don't break the huddle. You got to get out there amongst all that chaos. We haven't used what we talked about in our huddle to affect the field of play. Jesus said that you have to be identified with me, not just in the huddle, but when you go and get up against the other team. You can't just be identified with me in here. You got to be identified with me out yonder. It's easy to be a Christian sitting in here. It's easy to be a disciple of Jesus Christ sitting in here. It ain't real difficult. There's not a whole lot of opposition to us in here, in the huddle. Jesus said, you go out into the world that they don't like me, they don't want me, they don't respect me. They don't believe in me. They don't want nothing to do with me. You go out there and you represent me out there. That's where I need you. I don't need you in a huddle. It's good to come into a huddle. For a little bit. To get our duckies in a row. To have our plan. But you need to represent me out there. In the chaos. That's where I need you. It's kind of appropriate that I made these notes in light of everything going on in Israel. I read a thing this, this morning where one of the Israeli people said, this is, this is our 9-11. And we just celebrated our 22nd anniversary of 9-11. And our lives have not been the same ever since that day. Our lives have not been the same. They've changed. You can't travel today in the same way that you did before 9-11. I don't do a whole lot of flying. But I had flown prior to 9-11. And then... It was many, many years later, after 9-11, I went to get on another plane. I was like, whoa. You know, I, you see on the, on the news or whatever, the lines backed up in the airport. And there, but you don't think. Different world. A different world. And why is it different? It's different because some evil men from the other side of the world attacked us. They killed a bunch of us. And they changed the way that we live. Forever. And they did this in the name of their false God. So here's my question to you. 
if evil men with a radical commitment to a false god can change the way that we live here in the United States, how much should a bunch of disciples of the true God, disciples of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, through our radical commitment, be able to change how we live in this country? Jesus then tells them to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Again, I'm not much on spelling and punctuation, but I really don't think it's a typo. If you look on there, name is singular. There ain't no S on it. This ain't three different names. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They're one. In Romans 6 and 4. It says therefore. We are buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead. By the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. We're supposed to look different after we get dipped down into blood. We're supposed to be different. That means that everything about you, your background, your culture, your race, your political affiliation, everything takes a back seat to your faith in Jesus Christ. Your faith in Jesus comes ahead of any other definition in your life of you that conflicts with Jesus Christ. People are not accepting the authority of Christ in their lives. Because they putting on the jersey of one of these teams that's in conflict. They're more aligned with the teams than they are with the authority. They're more worried about being a Republican or a Democrat than they are being a disciple of Jesus Christ. They're more worried about being black or white or brown or whatever than they are being a disciple of Jesus Christ. They're more worried about being rich or poor or whatever, whatever column you want to drop them in. They're more worried about that than they are being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Here's a question for you. If you are going to be described by a friend or a co-worker or a family member. And I want them to describe you. How many adjectives are they going to use before they get to Christian? Oh, he's a good old boy. Oh, yeah, he's a good dude. Oh, yeah. I like him a lot. Man, he is generous. He is loving. He is all these things. How many of those, maybe you a rascal, I don't know. How many adjectives are they going to use about you before they get to Christian? And does that, and how do you feel about that? Would they even use the term disciple of Jesus Christ to describe you? 
Maybe they do. That might be the first thing out their mouth. I hope it is. But what if it ain't? What if you truly in your heart don't know the answer to that? How do you, how do you feel about that? More importantly, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do in your life or when somebody is going to describe you to another person, the first thing out of their mouth is, oh, yeah, Christian guy. Oh, yeah, I know right who you're talking about. Nobody should ever have to ask us if we are a Christian. Nobody should have to ask us if we are one of God's representatives down here. At work, when we teach these classes, I tell these guys, hey, every time you go out on job site, you are representing this company. In everything you do, good, bad, ugly, whatever, you're representing this, this company. You got this company on our hard hat, on your shirt, all this other kind of stuff. It's the same thing. If you're going to run around and call yourself a Christian, you are representing Jesus Christ in everything that you do. We represent him and the world is watching. Don't think they ain't. They are watching and waiting. They're waiting for you to make one little thing. Boy, they're going to pounce all over that. And you know it. But that's all right. You know it going in. <laughs> you know it. Information is a good thing to have. Finally, Jesus said to them to teach them. Not just teach them what I commanded you, but teach them to observe what I have commanded you. There's a difference. So what does that mean? Jesus said, don't just teach them what I told you. Show them what I told you. Show them how to act, don't it? Show them how to act, don't it? The world doesn't need to know that you done memorized a bunch of scripture. They don't need to know that you wake up earlier than they do on Sunday morning. They need to see how we put into action and apply to our lives the scriptures that we memorize. Jesus said they, need, they needed more than just knowledge of those commandments. It's great to come in here on Sunday and hear the truth. And it's great to believe in the truth. But you've got to act on that truth to make a difference. You've got to act on this truth. To make a difference out there. Both in our lives. And in making disciples. Of Jesus Christ. We've got to show them how we act on this right here. Greg brother if you will. If y'all will come up here. I'm going to give y'all an example. Let's just say 
you need some open heart surgery. Serious. Life or death stuff. And your doctor comes in and he explains to you exactly what he's going to do in this surgery. Step by step. This right here is what's going to happen. I would say as a good doctor ought to, right? And he asks you if you got any questions. You say, yeah. How many times have you done this surgery? I figured that's a fair question. Dude, fit to cut you open, you might want to kind of know. And he looks at you and he said, well, you're going to be the first one. <laughs> no, bro. And he says, don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. I made straight A's in medical school. Well, I ain't never seen a diploma with a GPA on it. I don't need to know what your grades are. I need to know how many times you've done this surgery. And can I call them people on the telephone? If you've done this surgery five times and they didn't none of them folks make it. No, dude. Don't worry, though. I study real hard. I don't need a doctor that can memorize and quote medical knowledge. I can find a bunch of them. I need a doctor that can act on what he knows. I need a doctor that can put it into practice. The medical knowledge that he gained. Our world and our nations don't need, just need Christians that can quote scripture. We need disciples that can act on it in their everyday lives. years ago the NFL used some replacement referees. Some of y'all remember that. It was a disaster. It was horrible. And it was horrible because the officiating crew didn't know the rule book. They didn't know the rule book and they didn't know how to act on it. And they didn't know how to apply it to all the chaos that was going on around them on the field of play. John 2 and 23 says, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. They were saved, but Jesus knew they wasn't ready to go tell the world. They wasn't ready to go public with their faith. Our world and our nation needs disciples of Jesus Christ. And we need as many of them as we can get. We need verbal, visible, unashamed representatives on earth that will make choices in their lives at work, at home, at the ball field, at the quick trip. Make those decisions down here in the middle of all this chaos that we live in every day. And make those decisions that are in line with the teachings of Jesus Christ. 
If you've made the decision to be a disciple of Christ, I applaud you for that decision. And I applaud you because it's going to cost you. But in the same breath, I want to tell you that whatever the cost is, it's going to pale in comparison to what you gain. If you're here today and you, you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you fix that. You can handle that business right now. And I pray to God that you do. Maybe you're a Christian and you need to talk to God about being a disciple. Maybe you need to talk to God about making a difference down here in this chaos that we live in every day. Maybe you need to ask Him how you're supposed to get your whistle and your little yellow flag. Maybe you need to ask Him for the wisdom to know how to make, make the calls down here on the field. Whatever the reason, I just want to give you an opportunity to come down here to the altar and handle some business. You feel like you need to. I want to thank y'all for the opportunity to stand up here and give you a message that the Lord laid on my heart. everybody in here mainly myself can do a better job of being a disciple for Jesus Christ wherever we at I think we can do better if y'all will please bow your heads and pray with me dear heavenly father again we thank you for letting us gather here today to worship you to praise your name Lord, we ask you for we ask you for the strength. We ask you for the determination in our lives to be better disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, wherever we at, we we pray that we're a better disciple tomorrow than we was today. A better disciple the day after th that. Lord, whatever we need, we just pray that you, you turn your face toward us, Lord. Pour your blessings out on us that we may take those blessings out into this world of chaos that we all live in. Let this world see Jesus Christ through each and every one of us. Lord, thank you so much for all your blessings. Lord, help us all to be mindful and appreciative of everything that you do for us, Lord. Everything you have and everything that you're going to. We ask all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I do want to remind y'all, please don't forget the mission trip.